It's an amazing transformation that we see. A man nailed to a cross hurling insults to Jesus. And then somewhere within those hours on the cross, he's a different man. Welcome to the Fox Den with Terry Fox. Greetings, everyone, and thanks for joining me in the Fox Den. I want to begin today by asking you a question. What do you have to offer God? What good work or obedience do you have to coax God into letting you into heaven? What if you were a criminal, dying on a cross where your crimes and sins deserve the current judgment? What righteousness do you have to offer God? Today we're going to take a look at the account of the thief on the cross. And though he had nothing to offer God, we're going to find hope with that thief. The account of the thief on the cross is in the four Gospels. It's barely mentioned in John chapter 19, verse 18. John merely mentions that there were two guys crucified on either side of Jesus. We have a few more details in Matthew and Mark. They mention that there were two men crucified with Jesus, and both Matthew and Mark follow the same pattern. They first both mention that the two men were crucified with Jesus. And Luke concurs with this in Luke 23, verse 32. But then Matthew and Mark mention something seemingly insignificant, yet very important. In Matthew 27, verse 44, and Mark 15, verse 32, they say that the two robbers reviled Jesus. But what does it mean that they reviled Jesus? Well, to revile means to lash out with verbally abusive language, right? So both men are hurling insults and berating Jesus. Here's this man hanging on the cross who claimed to be the Son of God. Why doesn't he just rescue himself, get himself down from the cross? So these two men being crucified with Jesus were like the others in the area making fun of Jesus. So why is this important? Well, something seems to happen to one of the men crucified with Jesus. If we look at Luke chapter 23, verses 39 to 43, one of the men made fun of Jesus, and the other man rebukes him for making fun of Jesus. Do you see the problem here? Both men were hurling insults at Jesus, but now one calls out the other for insulting Jesus. So what's going on here? Is there an inconsistency between Matthew and Mark and Luke, or is there something else? So if there's an inconsistency between Matthew and Mark and Luke, then we have a problem. You see, this would indicate that the Bible is wrong. And why is that a problem? If the Bible's wrong, it's not the Word of God and it has no authority whatsoever. It would be like reading any other book. Quite frankly, it would have the same authority as reading a fairy tale. And if the Bible's wrong, it can't be trusted. And if it can't be trusted, then we have no hope. So there must be another answer. It seems that something happened to the man while he was on the cross. You see, at first he's hurling insults. Matthew Mark said that he reviled Jesus. And then what we see in the Luke account is that he's now scolding the other man for making fun of Jesus. So again, either the Bible is wrong or something happened to the man. And it seems to me that the best option here is to say that something happened to him while he was on the cross. Think of Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10. And when you have a moment, take some time to listen to episode 5, Salvation Displayed, a review of Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10. And there, 
we see that Paul tells his Christian readers that they were dead, but God made them alive with Christ. You see, this is known as regeneration, where God takes spiritually dead people and he makes them spiritually alive. And it seems that this is what happened to the man. While he's on the cross, God regenerates him. Again, we see he's insulting Jesus and then he's defending Jesus. So something seems to happen to him while he's on the cross. So what did he do to be regenerated? Well, nothing. He's on the cross. He couldn't do anything to be made spiritually alive. There were no good works. He was being judged for his crimes and sins. So how did he become spiritually alive? Well, God, by his grace, made him alive with Jesus. And we'll say, but he didn't deserve that. Right. That's the point. This man has nothing to offer God. He's on this cross because of his crimes and his sins. He has nothing to offer God, nothing good to offer him. And yet it seems something happened. God transformed him while he's on the cross. He hurls insults at Jesus. He reviles Jesus, according to Matthew and Mark. And now he's defending Jesus. And look at what he says in verse 40. He corrects the other man who's railing against Jesus. And then he admits that he deserves the crucifixion that he is receiving, while Jesus doesn't. You see, he admits his own sin. He admits he deserves that judgment, and he admits that Jesus is innocent. And then he asks Jesus to remember him when he comes into his kingdom. And I hope you caught that. He is on the cross, and he asks Jesus, who is nailed to a cross, dying with him, He asked Jesus to remember him when he comes into his kingdom. Don't you find that strange? You see, this is proof that he knew who Jesus was. He knows that Jesus is going to die and enter his kingdom. That's what he believes at this point. You see, this proves the man's faith. And he asked Jesus to remember him when he enters into his kingdom. And where'd this faith come from? Remember, just moments ago, he's railing against Jesus. He reviled Jesus. And now he's asking him to remember him when he enters into his kingdom. So where did this faith come from? Again, think Ephesians 2. In verse 8, Paul says that all the work of salvation is the gift of God. So even the faith that God requires is a gift from God. You see, it's the work of the Holy Spirit who worked faith in this man and enabled him to see who Jesus is. God gave him this faith as a gift. And that means that the man didn't earn this faith. He didn't earn spiritual life. God gave it to him freely as a gift. Because he deserved it? How could he? He's hanging on a cross. He's dying for his crimes and his sins. He had nothing good to offer God. God gave it to him as a gift based on his own grace to this man. It's an amazing transformation that we see. A man nailed to a cross, hurling insults to Jesus. And then somewhere within those hours on the cross, he's a different man who now admits that he deserves his punishment and Jesus does not and asks Jesus to remember him as he enters his kingdom. Even though he knows Jesus is going to die, this is really a great picture of the transformation that happens in all of us. You see, we don't deserve the grace that God extends to us. We have nothing to offer him. And yet, by his grace, he makes us alive with Christ and gives us the faith that he requires. Now, listen to the glorious response of Jesus. He tells the man that he will indeed see him in paradise that day. 
So the day that the man is dying on the cross, remember, he's reviled, he reviled Jesus, and then something happens, seems to happen, and now he's defending Jesus, and he asks Jesus uh, that he remember him when he enters his kingdom, and Jesus says he'll see him in paradise today, the same day that he's dying on the cross. He did nothing to deserve to be with Jesus in paradise. He had no good works to offer. He didn't do good works beforehand. If he did, they're nullified by his crimes and sins. And he's hanging on the cross because he deserves his his punishment. There's nothing in the Bible that says that he was innocent of his crimes. So he has no good works to give to Jesus that would that would coach Jesus to, to allow him into heaven. And yet, Jesus extended mercy to this man simply because the man believed. You see, this is how God works. We're not saved by doing, we're saved by believing. If we were to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 15, God takes Abram out, uh, outside, he makes a promise, Abram believes the promise, and God credits his faith as righteousness. We see that in Genesis 15 verse 6. That doesn't mean that Abram was righteous. Even though he was unrighteous and a sinner, God credited his faith as righteousness. If we were to go back even further, really what got Adam in trouble back in Genesis chapter 3 was his lack of faith. God, made a, God made, uh, gave him a command, and Adam disobeyed that command, which was proof that he didn't believe God. And so here, fast forward, what do we have? A man who has nothing to offer. Jesus has no good works to perform, cannot do any good works because he's being crucified for his, his crimes and his sin. But he only believes that Jesus is going to enter his kingdom. And because of that simple faith, God extends that mercy to him, and he is going to enter into paradise with Jesus that day. And this is how it plays for all of us. We have nothing to offer God. We simply believe that he made a promise and that he is a promise keeper. We believe that we are sinful, that Jesus is not, and yet his sacrifice is sufficient for our salvation, for the forgiveness of our sins. And we enter paradise by God's grace through this faith which God gave us. And again, let me refer you back to episode 5, where I discuss this in more detail. So why is all this important? Well, this account serves as a reminder that God extends his grace to us because it pleased him to do so, not because you're so awesome or righteous. And also, this account reminds us how helpless we are to save ourselves. We're no different than the thief on the cross. This man hung on the cross, dying for the crimes and sins he committed. He has no opportunity. He is unable to do any good. Well, that's what Paul said about all of us in Romans chapter 3. Verse 10 says that there is no one that is righteous. Verse 12 says no one does good. There's not a single person who is righteous or who does good, according to Romans chapter 3, verses 10 and 12. So we're no different than the man on the cross, yet Jesus offers him mercy. You see, we are 100% dependent on the grace of God for our salvation. And again, let me redirect you back to some previous episodes. Episode 2, The Gospel Explained and Why It Matters. Episode 3, How to Get to Heaven. Episode 4, The Only Way to Be Right with God. I think these will help you understand more clearly what we're getting at here. And then finally, this account reminds us that God can save a man in the very last moments of his life. 
There are many of you who are wondering, is there any hope that my loved one can get to heaven, even in the last moments of their life? The answer is yes. Think Ephesians 2. God takes spiritually dead people and makes them spiritually alive, not because they're good people, but by his grace alone. You see, a spiritually dead person can't respond to God. They're spiritually dead. But by his grace, God can make them spiritually alive, and that's what he does. So in this account, we can see that God can save a man in the very last moments of his life. Well, here's my assignment for you. Take some time to read Luke chapter 23, verses 39 to 43, and put yourself in the shoes of this robber. You're the one dying on the cross. You're the one who is unable to do any good to earn God's favor. You're at the mercy of God with nothing to offer. And then next, ponder on what the man said. He admits his guilt, and he admits that Jesus is innocent. Then he makes a huge statement of faith. He asks the dying Jesus to remember him when he comes into his kingdom. This robber, being crucified with Jesus, pleads for mercy from a dying man. He must have believed that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. That's faith. And then again, put yourself in the robber's shoes. How are you going to respond to Jesus? Are you going to give him your resume, show him how great you are? Or are you going to stand before God with nothing to offer, but trust him for his mercy? Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe if you haven't done so already. You can find this podcast on several different podcast apps. Also, check out thefoxdenjournal.com for articles and other resources. And thanks for listening.